validation for the methods that I was, got the messages from him. But first I have to step back. January 20th, 2017, 7.27 p.m. in the cardiac intensive care unit of Royal Oak Beaumont Hospital. While holding hands with the love of my life, my wife of 38 and a half years, she died. I knew she went to be with God. I knew I would see her again, and I was still devastated. It tore me apart. Four months later, May 13th, 2017, was the 40th anniversary of the day we met on a blind date on a Friday the 13th. You can't beat that. I'm sorry, you can't. Well, I was emotionally in a ditch beside grief's toll road, and I needed to go somewhere quiet. And I couldn't think of anywhere, and then I said, you know what, I'm gonna go to my parents' gravesite out in Livonia. So I went to Glen Eden Cemetery, and there was nobody there. I mean, there were no funerals going on, there were no workers doing anything, nothing, no traffic, it was great. So I prayed. Now, when I pray to God, it isn't thee and thou and wouldst and couldst. What it is, is conversation, because we have a relationship. Well, that day's conversation included, I must add, anger, frustration, brokenness. And I finished with, what do you want me to do? And I sat down. And it was quiet. And I heard a voice. It was quick. And the voice said to me, I want all of you. I looked around, there was no one, not a soul. Now, it wasn't James Earl Jones's voice, or was it wasn't Morgan Freeman's. It was just a voice, and I knew God had talked to me. So I went about doing the best I could for him. And one of the suggestions given to me was to write, so I wrote. And then that became a blog. And then a publisher got a hold of me and said, we want to make it into a book. And it became a book. And according to the reviews on Amazon, it's phenomenal. And according to the people that have emailed me, it has helped them through their grief. And it's accomplished the three goals I had for it. Honor God, honor my wife, Mo, and to help people that are grieving. I had one letter where a girl sent a letter to me and she said, you got me off suicide watch. Because my grandfather died and I didn't think I'd ever see him again. Well, I said, wow, this is great. God's really using me. And then the enemy struck. One morning, I woke up and I had a thought. And I couldn't get rid of it. I knew it wasn't from God. I knew it was wrong. But it augured into my consciousness and into my conscience. And it ate at me. And that thought was this. You only had these accomplishments for God because she died. She had to die for you to do something for God. I couldn't get rid of it. Now, I have a counselor who's also a pastor and a friend. His name is Stan. And he and I wrestled with this for an hour, and I couldn't get relief. And at the end of the hour, he looked at me and said, he practically leaped out of his seat and said, I've been praying all hour, and I've got the answer. I know God gave it to me. I said, give it to me. And he looked at me, and he said, Tom, 
These things didn't happen because she died. They happened because she lived. And you got to live with her. Now, you can pick your analogy, folks. You can say that uh, the, the weight was lifted, the lights came on, the clouds parted. Whatever you want, I was delivered. And I knew it had come from God. So what's my proof that God talks to us this way? Well, the still small voice, I mean, come on, you go to 1 Kings 19, 12, and Elijah's in the middle of the whirlwind, and he can hear the still small voice of God. What about getting the message from other people? I agonized over this, and then I thought about someone by the name of Ananias in Acts 9, 10 through 18, where God said to him, I want you to go and talk to this guy, Saul, and preach the gospel to him. You mean the guy that's trying to kill me? Yes, I want you to go and do it, and he did it. So he got the message from God and gave that message to Saul, who became Paul. Last week, Scott gave what I thought was a great message. And in that message, it resonated with me. And it made me think that there's two things I want to say to you. If you take anything from what I've said here today away with you, it's these. The first is, it comes from Job, chapter 33, verse 4. And it reads, for God does speak now one way, now another though no one perceives it. And the other one is this. Paul tells us in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. I want to tell you this. We should listen without ceasing. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. I love Tom. We've been uh, having lunch together, and I'm so thankful that God brought you to our church to be part of our family. <clears throat> Let me pray, and then let's, uh, we're going to get into Matthew 13. Uh, Lord, we we uh, pause right now. And we invite you into this space, and so we invite you to hover, uh, to pick your spot, and we ask you to invite us closer to you and nearer. And so, as we step into this time of um, of listening, of contemplation, um, would our resistances be low? So would you, uh, by your mercy once again, would you call us by name this morning? And would you speak to us? Would you bring life? And so we submit this time and... Uh, Ask that you, you would do what we cannot and what we should not. And we, we would love to see that this morning. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. Uh, if you have your Bible or phone or whatnot, uh, Matthew 13 is where we're going to start this morning. This is the last week in our series uh, called Hearing from God. And <clears throat> I feel like um, this morning, 
that there's a um, dependency on Jesus. And so I just, uh, being real clear with you, I have a dependency on Jesus this morning. I'm even stepping into this. Um, and that I think it's, it's good and it's okay for us to recognize our limits. I think it's good and healthy of, of us to know when we don't have everything to pull it off, right? So I said to Kate, it's not gonna be spectacular, but it may be perfect. And that's the freedom, that's the freedom of knowing that God's at work. And so I step in this morning, knowing that God's at work and having that confidence and certainty that God's faithful to do what God is wanting to. And so I submit my talk in this time to, to God's plans. Matthew 13, this is the parable of the sower. It says this, that same day Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds, crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but not perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on this good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So in your program, you see that the title of this talk is Ways to Hear, right? Is that what it says on the left side of the bulletin? Ways to Listen. Um, I, didn't, I didn't give it that title, nor do I like that title. And the reason why is because this parable is a parable about listening. And ultimately, Jesus says, there's only four ways to listen. Your, your heart's either hard as concrete, and the seed bounces off it like sleet on stone, or your heart is super shallow, you get excited about hearing from me, and then you do nothing with it, or third, you hear from me, and then for whatever reason, you forget the identity that I'm the one who's giving life to you, and you think you can get life somewhere else, and when you go to those other places, it chokes you. Or there's a fourth way to listen, which is to have a heart that is tilled and that is ready to receive. And Jesus says, that's good soil. I wonder, and this is a reflection on my friends, my relationship with Bo, the years that we've spent trying to create a development culture of hearing from God. I wonder if in our desire to hear from God, we have substituted a desire for mastery over a desire for mystery. We can get so caught up in the function of listening that we forget that the only reason we're listening is because we are invited. That we were invited to come and abide. That we were invited to come and sit. We were invited to rest in the presence of the Almighty. And I think sometimes our achievement of mastering how to listen has actually come against the mystery of the fact that the God of the universe has something to say to you, has something to say to me. And this makes me think about what moves you to awe? What moves you to reverence? What moves you to worship? Is it the right instruments? Is it the right beat? 
Is it the right setting? Is it the right songbook? What moves you to worship? Because I think we can become so fixated on hearing from God in the right ways so that we can make sure that we do the right things, that we forget the mystery and the majesty of our king. Hearing from God, just that statement. We say it all the time. Have you heard from God? I heard from God. Hearing from God, just those words, if you focus on them, that should invoke marvelous mysticism. The idea that the greatest, most absolute otherness, the mastermind of the inception of all existence, the one that breathes life into all creation, the developer and sustainer of the universe, is stooping low to whisper in our ears, to speak into our hearts, to counsel us, to direct us, to encourage us, that should blow our minds. Amen? You guys have been resting all morning. If I'm gonna make it through this, you're gonna have to participate. Jesse, I'm looking at you, I'm being serious. <laughs> Psalm 8, when the psalmist says, what is man that you're so mindful of him? That, that's a huge statement. What is man that you are so mindful? What is this? What is this relationship? Can you think about it for a moment? The intelligent designer of the body, 32 trillion cells that work in tandem. That's amazing. Every breath given as a gift to us. You haven't chosen one or created it on your own yet in your life. And with all of creation under his feet as a footstool, God desires so much that he pursues us and calls us by name and crowns us with glory and honor and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, set apart for the works that I have set apart for you before you were even conceived. The master craftsman of the universe and yet knows the number of hairs on our heads. And for some that's easier than others. Scott Foster, right? The author of all eternity yet calls us brother and sister and friend. That's crazy. The logos, the word, the cosmos, the one who holds all things together and yet takes an interest in the longings and the desires and the hurts and the disappointments of our hearts. The architect of all of glory, and yet the one who looks at us and calls us his handiwork and his masterpieces. Who are we that you're so mindful of us? It's important to remember this, that God's posture towards us is the posture of a loving father, wanting to give us good gifts, wanting to bless us 
wanting to bring us life in abundance. And this is why it's so important for us this morning to take check of the way that we listen to God because there's only four ways. Are we the good soil? There's only one good way and that's to have a heart that is tilled and ready to receive the word with the intention to do whatever he says. The intention to do whatever he says reveals if we are the good soil. When we connect what God is saying to us with his majesty and his mystery and his faithfulness, we can be confident and sure that whatever God says to us comes from a place to prosper us and not to bring us harm, regardless of how much we may not understand what he's saying. We may not see the way that it could ever work out. God might be saying something directly to us that is so in contrast to what we have been believing about ourselves and about others that we don't even lean in to his voice. And we make space for whispers from the enemy to come in and say, he's not talking about you. That's not about you. That classic Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans and the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Who in here has experienced life with disaster? Yeah? What's going on with the delivery, right? It's in the midst, it's in the midst of life, it's in the midst of that disaster. The guy is saying, I have plans for you, I still have plans for you. I still have plans for you. I've not given up, I still have plans for you. And the history of the scripture is that God redeems disasters, that God's in the business of somehow using disaster in our lives to connect us with others, to connect us to his heart. It's the meaning of the parable of the sower. What soil are you? Are you ready to receive God's word? Our hearts are to be tilled, they're to be ready with an intention to obey. That's a heavy word. You know, there's a parable about people who are yes men to God. Father goes to his son and says, go work in the vineyard. And he goes, okay. And he never goes. And he goes to his other son, go work in the vineyard. And he's like, I'm not working in the vineyard. And then he goes and he works in the vineyard. <laughs> and Jesus says, which one, which one was obedient? God isn't saying that you can't engage around the word that's coming to you. 
God's not saying you go blindly into this. God's not saying you don't talk to someone else and get counsel. He's saying, are you listening with the intention to obey whatever I say? Here's the thing that I've found and, and continue to be reminded. When I listen with the intent to do or to obey, I find agreement with the author of life. I find harmony with the author of our destiny. That's amazing. So I think this morning the better question for us is not what are ways to listen. If you want ways to listen, I, put a, I printed out 20 sheets of tools to hear from God and they're on the back table. And if we go through those 20 or if you would rather have it in a digital form, email me, I'll send it to you. Um, I don't think that's what God wants to do this morning. I don't think that's the issue. You can watch a TED talk about hearing from God. Get great tools. I think this morning, us being together, God wants to be here with us in our midst and is imploring us to engage with him. So I think the better question this morning is what's the condition of your heart? I think God wants to speak over us his love. So here's, here's my question. If you're in that spot where you're not hearing from God, and so these last six weeks have been torturous for you, you're like, when are they gonna change the series? Here's, here's what I would say. Um, study and meditation those are excellent for tilling the soil of your heart. Seeking the counsel of others, excellent for tilling the soil of your heart. Practicing self-reflection, practicing silence, great for tilling the soil of your heart. Engaging in worship, practicing fasting, all wonderful to till the soil of your heart. But what it will come down to at some point is what are you going to do with what you hear? That will reveal the type of soil that you are. So my question is this, especially for those who have been struggling in this series or struggling in a season and not hearing from God. Did you do anything with the last thing that God said to you? Did you do anything with it? Did you write it down somewhere? Capture it in your phone in a memo? Did you, did you put it somewhere so that you could come back to it later when you had time to reflect? I do a Kairos log. When something grabs my attention, it goes in my phone. I come back to it later. If I don't have time to, to sit with it then. Or prayer journals or dream journals. 
especially for those of you that have prophetic dreams, starting a journal, starting to write it down so that you can capture it, so you can come back to it. The last thing that you heard, did you reflect on it? Did you invite God to explain or to tell you more or to help you identify what is the appropriate response? Maybe it's just worship. Maybe the appropriate response is I just, I just drop and I say, why, why would the majestic master of the universe stoop to speak into my situation? What was the appropriate response? We've got that tool, the learning circle. I also find quiet self-reflection with God is most helpful to my heart. Shut it all down. Shut the phone down. Shut the media down. And just sit with God. Did you ask God to highlight your resistance? Maybe you heard from God and you didn't like what God was saying. It seemed too complicated, too difficult. Maybe it was too sensitive. It hurt too much. Maybe you couldn't see how that possibly could ever bring about a good result. So logically, you're like, I'm not doing that. Is God's word coming against you because he's trying to realign your heart to him? Because you're trying to pull your identity from all sorts of other stuff. Or maybe there's a lie that you're believing. I found using T-charts are super helpful. Make a T, write what you're hearing on one side and on the other, what's the promises of God? Is that statement true or is that statement a lie from the devil, from the pit of hell, to keep us locked up? You just write on the other side, oh, but God says I'm beloved, right? Or God says he chose me. I don't know what it is. It's a T-chart. I know it's powerful in silencing the lies of the enemy. The last thing that you heard from God, did you tell anybody? (laughs) Or is it like, I'm not telling anybody that. (laughs) They're gonna think I'm crazy or they're gonna hold me accountable to it. So, bury it. Here's the thing, just extroverting has power to it. Having to articulate, having to clearly say what God is saying, putting it into specific words is super powerful. And in that process, you're inviting someone else into the conversation and they bring with them their experience with God. It's honoring It's honoring to someone to invite them into your processing. It widens that net and it creates opportunity for you to be followed up with. So what is your intention in hearing from God? Are you good soil? We experience so much resistance internally. And there are, there's so many thorns of life that want to choke it out. You know them. You're thinking about them right now. They, they try to demand priority in our mind and in our heart. 
There's so much dry, hard ground because we experience so much hurt, so much loss, so much disappointment. And when it's not talked about, it becomes resentment and bitterness. And there's so much shallow receptivity. Okay. And it just gets burned up because it has no root. There's, there's nothing sincere. But I think much of the silence that we experience in our following Jesus actually comes from us not doing anything with the last thing that God said to us. And I think of it like a plumbing system where the plumbing is all intact it has a specific function, but when it gets clogged, it cannot, it cannot fulfill its intended purpose. God's words over us are his promises and destinies for us. And here's the cool part. The scriptures say that he himself carries the weight of it. And that God is faithful to fulfill whatever work he starts. And so we don't have to do the work. We don't produce the harvest. We just say, I'm, I want to be good soil. I want to be good soil. And his words do not return to him void. And this morning, I want us to rest in this, that God's banner over us is love. It's love. It's love. I'm going to invite Caroline and Emad to come up. And I want to make space. Um, I want to make space for us to engage with God around the soil of our heart. So they're going to play a song, and they're going to sing the song. I don't want you to sing the song. Please do not sing the song. Let them sing the song over you. And as they do, Let's allow God to search our hearts. And I would say, here's the good question. Am I good soil? Am I good soil? God, am I good soil? And then my encouragement on the practical is capture God's response. Capture God's response. So let me pray. Lord, thank you so Thank you for your faithfulness and for your presence. And so now extend your invitation as we listen. Um, allow, allow us to have ears to hear and to have hearts that are readied to hear from you. And so till the soil, break it up, give it depth, give it richness. 
the th- oh, those are the things you do, Lord. We, we can't do that. You're the master gardener. And you're trustworthy.